0: This episode is brought to you by Pico Brew, makers of the Zymatic and Pico brewing systems. The brewing systems of the future are here now. Discover how easy and rewarding it is to make great beer with Pico Brew. And by Craftmeister and BTF 4. When you absolutely, positively need to make every surface clean, bust out the cleaners with professional power and home brewer safety. Make better beer with better chemistry. Choose Craftmeister. And by The American Homebrewers Association,
1: a community of more than 46,000 beer lovers. Since 1978, the AHA and its members have worked to promote and celebrate the homebrewing hobby and community. Join today for six issues of Zymergy Magazine, AHA member discounts on beer, food, and brewing supplies, access to exclusive events and competitions, and a bunch of other cool stuff that will take too long to list here. Head over to homebrewersassociation.org or experimentalbrew.com and get yourself a membership.
0: And by you, our listeners. Go to experimentalbrew.com to help support us. Click on the Patreon link to donate whatever amount you'd like to help support us and our charities. Click on the Brew Your Own magazine link to subscribe to BYO. Or click on the HA link to join the American Homebrewers Association and receive a subscription to Zymergy Magazine. Part of the proceeds from those go to help support the podcast. Thanks for your support.
1: It's just about time. It's just about time. Don't you think it's about time? We talked about beer. So come on in. Come on in. Just come on in. Pour yourself a beer. Okay, this is the part where everybody sings Beer, 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 beer. 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 Hello, homebrewcon. Welcome to a very special edition of Experimental Brewing with Denny and Drew. I'm
0: Denny Con, and I'm Drew Beecham. Together, we're the authors of Experimental Homebrewing: Mad Science in the Pursuit of Great Beer, and the well, actually, the now released Homebrew All Stars, where we interview 25 of the world's best homebrewers and give you their tips, tricks, and secrets. Now, between the two of us, we have nearly 20 years of homebrewing experience, or 40 years. Forty years of home Forty. 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 I'm, I'm 20. You're 20. It's 40 altogether. Uh, so I'm the guy known for weird beer and strange ideas. And I'm the guy who's known for questioning
1: the conventional wisdom and coming up with ways to check it out. Today on Experimental Brewing, we have a free-for-all show live from HomebrewCon 2017 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're going to be talking to uh, vendors here on the expo floor about some of the cool new products that are around for homebrewers. We're going to be talking to homebrewers about how and what they brew, and who knows what the hell else is going to happen well, we're going to start off with the man who is kind of like the host of this party, Mr. Gary Glass, the director of the American Homebrewers
0: Association. He's either to blame
1: or to celebrate for right. what's happening
2: now. That's right. Thanks for being here, I'll leave Andrew. that to you to decide.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what's, uh, what's happening here today at HomebrewCon?
2: Oh, I don't know. A little gathering about 2,500 homebrewers and you know, yeah. 77 exhibitors, 55 uh, different educational seminars. How many, uh, how many gallons of beer and pounds of malt, do you think? Oh, I, I can't count that high, dude. <laughs> I, was, I was a history major, man. I was going to say, I, got, I ain't got enough fingers and toes. Uh, so, yeah, probably, good bet that uh, we have over a 1,000 different kegs of homebrew that will be served over the course of this uh, this event.
1: How uh, many entries did we get in the competition this year?
2: Uh. 8,600, and (laughs) I don't remember the last two digits. (laughs)
1: Yeah, right, that's enough. (laughs) Again, a a,
2: a world record for uh, for the number of beers judged in in any one competition. Wow. World's largest largest beer competition.
0: Well, I have to say, I'm amazed that we've gotten to the point now, not only where it is that many, but the fact that the organization is running it so efficiently that it actually still gets done on the first day. I remember when I first started going to homebrewcon our national homebrewers conference at the time, That that kept working until you know the second day, and it got harder and harder to get judges because who wanted to miss two days of the conference they were paying for?
2: Yeah, and uh, you know that that was actually a conscious effort on our part to work more closely with the Beer Judge Certification Program, uh, support their organization, and in in educating people about the BJCP and getting more more people involved in, in taking the exam. Um, we we actually help work with the BJSP. We, we provide staff mm-hmm. uh, time for them. Uh, some of the administrative work that the, the BJSP needs done, uh, we the, the AHA staff takes that on. So uh, that that's actually something that we consciously, it, you know, needing needing more judges to get get the competition done and seeing the seeing the need uh, nationwide uh, for for more homebrew homebrew judges, uh, which helps lead to better quality homebrew overall. Well,
0: so, and I was going to say, how many, how many seminars? Because I, mean, I know a lot of people here are for those seminars. How many seminars are we running this year?
2: 55. Oh, hey, that's
0: not too bad. No. And, I, I mean, <laughs> I actually did a panel talk this morning at 9 a.m., and there was a crowd there. I was amazed. Yeah. Uh, and we'll see how the 9 a.m. Uh, panels do tomorrow uh, after club night.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, man, tonight is kind of like the yeah. night that everybody waits for, isn't it? Man?
2: Yes, yes. So,
0: club
1: night. If you have never been, how many clubs do we have pouring tonight, Gary?
2: Uh, 49 clubs.
1: 49 homebrew clubs, booths with themes, crazy stuff, and an amazing, amazing array of beers. Uh, it's, it's worth the price of admission alone, except that there's all this other great stuff, too.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I would say that the thing about Club Night, and there's, there's, there's absolutely no way to describe it in words. It's <laughs> something you just have to experience to understand. Uh, but it is... It's got to be the most eclectic selection of beer you will ever have anywhere in the world.
0: Yeah, it, it definitely proves the range of what homebrewers do. You know, you got everybody from the traditionalists who are like, "I only make Hellas and pilsner," all the way to the person who's like, "I never met an ingredient I wouldn't put to a brew kettle." <laughs> Those might be my people. I don't know.
1: <laughs> and and uh, so the uh, location for next year has been officially announced.
0: Now
2: it has. Uh, we're, we will be in Portland, Oregon yes. next year.
4: Yes, yes.
2: It will be the All Denny Con Festival. It will be <laughs> Denny Con Yes, we will require everybody to dress and 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 grow facial hair and and yeah. and the. the 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 long hair and and look like if you don't look like Con, you don't get in
1: yeah so start growing your hair now guys and and
0: also please be prepared to buy stock in Nike so that you can buy all the Chuck Taylors you have to have (laughs) red Chuck Taylors in order to attend next year's conference (laughs)
1: really well Gary I know you got a lot of things to do so thank you so much for being here today um, thank you so much for all the work that you do for homebrewers everywhere and and this conference man
2: hey man it's my it's my pleasure and, and, and definitely an honor to 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 be here and and I, and I got to thank that all the uh, all the the staff that I work with and and uh, all the volunteers that that make this event possible because it's you know I, as I said uh, uh, during the keynote that uh, you know, I get, I get to be the guy on stage, but uh, there's, there's a whole lot of people that, that I work with that, that make this thing happen.
1: Well, that's right, man. It, it is a group effort, and uh, thanks for
2: leading the group. Yeah, my pleasure.
1: <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of the conference.
0: Hopefully, it'll be stress-free. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I need you like
1: that
0: one. <laughs> St- uh, stress and HomebrewCon, uh, well, they don't go together if you're working here.
1: Yeah, right. So uh, let's hear from some people from Pico Brew, shall we? All we right. have we have Annie Johnson from sure. Pico Brew coming up here. She was also the two thousand and thirteen <laughs> Homebrewer of the Year, and uh, she'll be doing a seminar here tomorrow.
5: Yeah. So, what's your seminar topic tomorrow? Uh, it's called Check Please. It's on. Czech Pilsner. That is
3: so clever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's not like you know anything about the style.
5: No, nothing. I just started brewing it.
0: You yeah. yeah. just started brewing it, just won a Pilsner or Kell Award, just, you know, yeah, not a thing known.
5: I, I, I love it, and I, um, I may get some pushback on the way that I do it, but I feel that you at least have to experience it and brew it the authentic way at least once or twice before you modify and modernize well, i'm so. old so i'm old school <laughs>
1: yeah right and in your other life you work for pico brew i do I, I work i've
5: been there it'll be four years this fall and what is your official title there um i'm the director of the pico brewers network and i'm also the brewmaster in residence
1: wow A dual cool cool <laughs> and you have just
5: uh, released some new stuff right we have. We, we just released three products um, that we developed this year. Uh, they've been in the thought process a long time, but we have um, a new version of our small Pico, which you both are participants in that, yeah. which is half the price. And then the coolest thing ever is our new micro still. Um, I'm telling you guys and gals <laughs> that uh, if you want to do some distillation, Of hop oils. That's right, that's right.
0: Essential oils oils. and water only, of course. Please remember, uh, distillation is currently only legal in New Zealand.
5: Right. I'm not much of a a cusser, but it's badass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's it's, it's cool. (laughs) It's great, so I love it. And then um, also a fermentation adapter that you can help monitor the process of your fermentation so you can... See what's going on, and of course, everything at Pico Brew, including the people, are run off the cloud. So you'll be able to <laughs> to check in on your mobile device and see how things are going. So it's right. it's great, and we're working on a bigger unit as well. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, people are going to be happy to hear that. Yeah, it's called the Indie, and it's um it's pretty fantastic.
0: Ooh, I can't wait to see it. That's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, look, now I have a question. So. You, you have this kind of foot in both worlds here. You know, you, you're obviously talking about Czech Pilsner uh, tomorrow, but now you also have the, the Pico Brew stuff that you've been working on for a while. And I know initially when the Zymatics launched, there was a lot of resistance from uh, hardcore homebrewers, but it seems like I mean we're getting more acceptance of this sort of way of brewing in the world. Do you, do you see that?
5: Definitely. It's nice. You know, we made our public debut in Grand Rapids at the AHA Conference um, and it was wonderful. We had a lot of people that were poking a stick at it, as I like to say. And then now, uh, you know, our, our fourth conference, we have people that are... I have one. I have one. I, I know people that wrote to me that told me they have beers in the competition. So it's, it's
1: pretty cool. Well, a Zymatic beer actually picked up an award in the competition a couple of years ago, right?
5: It did. It got a it got a gold with the Saison. And again, that the gal who brews... Uh, Amanda Naglitch, she lives in a 500-square-foot apartment in, in Manhattan and she wanted to get into home brewing. she and her and her husband and the Zymatic gave them the opportunity so I like it for that. It's not for everybody. I, at home I still use my three-tier system which is Blickman you know I mean I gotta brew a lot of beer because I like to maintain <laughs> the beer gut. and you know and I the Zymatic but we have more and more professionals that are using it in breweries and, and yeast companies and, you know, hops farmers and maltsters. And so it's it's really taken on this other professional life and it's also being used as a brewing tool in several um, brewing colleges around the country and in in Europe. So it's It's neat. It's really cool. Um, But like I said, it's not for everybody. No,
1: it's not. But I think that more and more people are realizing that something like that could be for them.
5: Sure. You know, precision, repeatability is something you always want as a home brewer. I mean, you know, old schoolers, like us, long time home brewers, we always go for that. Right. I I need to recreate this again and again. And now you have something that is a tool that helps you. Well, do that uh, after the first time and yeah. so, some
1: of our Igors actually have zymatics that they use to conduct the experiments because they're so controllable and repeatable yeah you know and that to me is one of the beauty parts of it the, the hands-off stuff doesn't suck either
0: no <laughs> well and, and the good thing is I think most of the people who are going to end up with a zymatic are probably also going to have their old school equipment sure. and so depending yeah. upon what you want to do that particular day you've got choices nobody says you only can brew one way.
5: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the people that, that were very hands-off, no way, that now have come around go, well, that's actually kind of, that's a neat thing. That's like cool. me, right? Like ye, ye curmudgeon. My favorite <laughs> yeah. curmudgeon. Yes. I, I don't am. know. Ye, uh, there's, a, there's a crowd out here that are watching us, about 10,000. And <laughs> I, re- I really want to say that these guys, long before I met them in person have been huge inspirations for me.
6: Aww. I mean, Denny
5: had the world's worst website. That's Denny right. com. That's right. Yeah. He, he still
0: does. I just host it now.
5: Yeah, I found that yeah. in in like 2003 or four, And then the Maltos Falcons with Drew, I found that one as well. And I used those so much. And I would print stuff off at work when no one was looking. And I'd take it home. And you guys have been... Huge influences in my brewing, and I mimic a lot of your techniques and recipes. But I just want to thank you. I'm going to thank you tomorrow. I might cry.
3: Oh,
1: you're so sweet. But
5: it, it <laughs> I, when you find brewing inspirations, that's, for me, what propels me to be the best I can be. So I just
0: want to say thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. I <laughs> tears. And by the way, I want to make sure that everybody understands that Annie may have taken inspiration from us and used our techniques. But she somehow actually made good beer out of it. Yeah, right.
5: That's what I was going to point out too. It's yeah, I'm going to do mm. the clam chowder
1: saison. Next. I love the clam chowder saison. <laughs> you love talking about it. Right? That
5: gives me shivers. <laughs>
0: Right, chicken beer lady.
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Annie will be serving a chicken beer at uh, club night Yeah, tonight, and come by so. for the
5: brisket. We're having some brisket beer, too. So. Brisket
1: beer also. Yeah. Whoa. I think I'll have to, to, to just skip dinner and, and drink and, my dinner. Yeah, bring there
5: you your go. fork. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to
1: have a gravy beer to go with
5: that? I Well. Well, hey, that, I
0: think that's called a hazy IPA nowadays. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah I've, I've been collecting that as I've been going around the expo. <laughs> collecting leftover samples. That's going to be some gravy. I'll tell you.
0: There we cool. Go.
1: So, what should people watch for from uh, Pico Brew next?
5: Um, I think if they visit our website, they'll see that we have a new version of the of the smaller unit, the Pico, which still brews packs like you see Denny's here, um, and then it's half the price of the Pico Pro, which I like. Is that one good thing about being a company that's um, doing well is that you can bring the prices down and that's always been the ultimate goal so that and the still I'm telling you gang
1: <laughs> you can tell what has really impressed yeah, me yeah I
5: mean I, I, I love all of our uh, of course I love the Zymatic um, but that still that is the bomb <laughs> <laughs> it's really a great thing and of course you can cook in all of our machines as well they really are becoming the easy bake yeah. <laughs> I was well, going to bring a Zymatic tonight to club night and make it look like an oven (laughs) oh no i put a ham in it but i mean (laughs) yeah so i would really check us out you know and then i want to say to homebrewers we're launching a homebrewers program where you can have your own virtual brewery doesn't cost anything to sign up just visit our website and you too can have your own pico pack and these are sold all over the world so why not get your favorite recipe out there for people yep, to try? Yeah, submit your recipe. Get your pico yeah. pack and out. And you there. make money. I forgot to tell you, you, get you get a little piece of the pie. Why should we get it all? You know. See, now
1: that's what makes you guys such great people. Yeah. You know. Awesome. And the other thing I want to mention about the pico is the freestyle packs that you're doing now. So you don't just necessarily have to buy a recipe pack from somebody else. You can go in, make your own recipe, and have it made into a pico pack. That's right. I've just started doing that, and it is way cool.
5: Yeah. It's a neat thing. Yeah, you can create anything you want to make.
1: Well, Annie, thank you so much for your
5: time today. And thank you
1: for everything you do for homebrewers.
5: Thank you, and thank you for all that you do for everybody for so long. Well, it's, it's, it's a constant inspiration.
1: I just appreciate it when people don't throw things when I play the ukulele. <laughs>
5: There's still time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. A...
0: We, we will be handing out tomatoes later. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, Andy. Thank you. So I think it's time to taste some beer now, huh?
0: All right. So we're bringing up Corey. Corey, uh, Corey actually, uh, we ran into the other night at uh, Insight Brewing where we were doing, we were working with uh, Chip uh, and Marshall, and actually, I think we need grab some. some glasses. Yeah, go grab some glasses. We ran into the other day at Insight Brewing where we were working with Chip and Marshall on the Chop and Brew Pre Funk party, and yeah, it was a great party. That I managed was. to torture people with trivia, which was <laughs> awesome. But in the meanwhile, they had set up in the back a whole homebrew area, so everybody got a chance to be able to poor beer and you know actually have like nice professional labels. They did it upright. Really?
7: Yeah it was amazing.
0: And, uh, pre-registration and it was a great party of about what 300 and something people there. Yeah. And it turned into a really great day. But you came up because you have this one beer that really just falls right into the perfect mashup of Denny's
7: and my wheelhouses. So
0: can you go ahead and describe what the what the beer is?
7: Yeah it's I call it the Billy Acres Chanterelle Mushroom Cezanne. It was my uncle found a bunch of wild chanterelles on my grandpa's land. He calls his farm Belly Acres, because most of the time we don't have shirts on out there. <laughs> and I was that's trying funny. to figure out what to brew with it, and figured a perfect combination between you two. A chanterelle mushroom saison would work. Oh, man.
0: Well, and, and so for those who are listening who don't know, Denny is very famous for a chanterelle uh, wee heavy a chanterelle wee heavy that he does, and that's based off of uh, the Nirvana recipe. And, of course, I'm obviously a Saison obsessive. So, it, I mean, this falls right into that perfect blend between the two of us. So talk about, uh, talk about the, the recipe. I mean, when you are from uh, around here, right? Uh,
7: yeah, I'm from Winona, Minnesota, part of the Winona area homebrewers. We're going to be at craft night tonight with my Morel Mushroom Stout. and aha, going A few mushrooms. other beers, yeah.
1: See, now, there are so many people, when I mention mushroom beers to them, that just freak out. I'm really glad to see that you've embraced it.
7: Yeah, I heard mushroom beers and went, I can do that. (laughs) All right, so uh, tell us a little bit about the recipe as we're tasting this. So this one, actually, this one's about a year old now. It's Mm -hmm. been in my kegs. I bottled it up, like, Tuesday, the day before the pre-funk party, when I found out you two were going to be there. (laughs) And uh, I kind of suck at bottling from my keg, so it's a little flat. But I powdered or dried the four pounds of chanterelles. Right. And then powdered them and added them in the last like five minutes of the boil for a 10-gallon batch of saison.
0: So now when you take four pounds of fresh mushrooms and dry them, what does that turn into, like two ounces? Something like that, yeah.
7: Wow.
1: I've, and I've never used dried mushrooms. I've always used the fresh ones, uh, partially because that's what's there and partially because I'm so lazy, the thought of drying them never crossed my mind.
0: Partially my ass. You do it because you're lazy. Well, okay. Let's just get down to brass tacks here, shall we? Yeah. (laughs) And so, now, what were you looking for out of the Chanterelles, and how do you think, what character do you think came through it ultimately?
7: I honestly think that a lot of the sweetness in the beer actually came from the Chanterelles, and there's a bit of earthiness to it, Mm -hmm. and then I I get a bit of apricot from it. Yeah,
0: right, and that's what I always uh, use Chanterelles for, is that wonderful, wonderful apricot flavor. Well, and I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't think about, is that mushrooms do impart a lot of fruit. Right. because I know you've used, uh, what, chanterelles, maitake. Uh, and matsutake. Matsutake, that's right. Matsutake and uh, oyster, I think, at one
1: time? Uh, no, I've, I've done uh, a brown ale with portobello's. Okay.
0: But I mean, almost always you get some sort of fruity character. But I know chanterelles give a real strong apricot. Yeah, right. You know what we need to do? What? You need to make a hazy, fruity IPA with chanterelles. That's never gonna happen. Yeah, will, you
7: know, I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I like that style. I All like right. the New England IPA. Corey, there you All go. Right, you got to
0: take that idea and run with it. Now, I mean, I mean, yeah. I think you're right here. You do definitely get a big apricot flavor. Your your earthiness comes through, and I think that's enhanced by the mushrooms. And you still have a little bit of that uh, spicy saison character. Was this 3711, the French saison yeast. Um, or which I use the.
7: I can't remember the exact number, but it was a White Labs uh, saison ale blend. Oh, okay, okay. so uh,
0: I think that's 566 it, it, or something. It, d- like it
1: does definitely have a spiciness to it from the yeast. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, That's. I mean, that's that's you awesome. Now, what would you change uh, when you go redo this?
7: Honestly, it turned out kind of exactly the way I wanted it to. I probably won't change much of anything. Maybe a... change the yeast, use a straight saison, mm-hmm. get a little bit more of that spicy... Yeast character from it.
0: Yeah, go go with like a straight 565 or, or something like that.
7: Yeah, it yeah. was just my. It was actually my first time using a saison strain, so I was a little nervous about the stall and the ale blend was supposed to not have that.
0: Remember, and, folks, uh, experimentalbrewing.com uh, has shown that if you do open fermentation with the saison de strains, strains, uh, so White Labs 565 or Yee 3724. Uh, Well, you don't get the stall. At least six out of seven brewers. That's right. Unless you're Marshall Schott, who
1: screwed everything up and uh, didn't get the same results as six other brewers did.
7: Damn that brew-osopher.
1: I know. I I, I guess he just sucks as a brewer.
7: (laughs) And if if Drew hadn't interrupted me, I was just about to say the exact same thing. It it was right before I listened to the Cezanne experiment that I did this one.
0: Well, hey, I I think what you put down in the glass is... A perfect example of embracing an ingredient, getting it, expressing its true characters, and not overpowering it and turning it into something truly weird. Thank so, you. Yeah, I mean, I think you did a great job, man. Yeah,
1: man, and we really appreciate you bringing it and, and sharing it with us. That's really thoughtful. And if you do make the IPA, uh, please let us know.
7: Yeah, I'll send you a few bottles. Please
1: do, man. We'll taste it on the air. And, rave about it and curse your name all at the same time
7: <laughs> well that's what i go for
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah he lives for it. thanks a bunch cory no problem we really hopefully see you tonight it.
7: at craft night or well, club uh, night we'll, absolutely we'll definitely be there all right so what
1: do you think should we uh yeah i think this? we should okay we have a very exciting announcement to make about a contest that uh, is going to be sponsored by Y Yeast uh, with some help from us. We have Jenny Logston of Y Yeast here with us, who's going to uh, help discuss <laughs> this contest somewhat reluctantly, I might add.
0: Yeah, Jenny's looking at us with the, that grimace smile of, oh God.
3: I, I, I don't normally make public appearances.
1: Well, we're changing that now.
3: <laughs> so you're the first, you're honored.
1: Uh, thanks uh, yeah, we are honored as a matter of fact, we really appreciate it so here 's the deal and what the contest is going to be, everybody. Y yeast is about to release the next batch of seasonal strains for the summer we 're going to kind of jump the gun a little bit and tell you right now what they are, and we 're going to have a contest to come up with recipes for each strain uh, and here 's the rules. The entries need to be received by July 31st. You send your entries to contest at experimentalbrew.com, one entry per person. You pick one of the three yeast strains that we're going to be telling you about, and you come up with a recipe for that yeast strain. The winners uh, for each strain will be picked by Drew, me, and a couple people from Y Yeast. For prizes, you will receive fabulous swag from both Experimental Brewing and y yeast. And let me tell you, they got some good stuff. And we're going to hit Jenny up to dive deep into the vault. Uh, and besides that, you'll also be getting a pack of each of the three seasonal strains. Uh, the winners uh, will agree to let Y-East use and distribute their recipes. And the entries will be judged solely on the subjective basis of what looks good to us.
0: Yeah amuse me That's amuse right. me and you will win
1: so and all this info is going to be or posted on the website so don't worry if you don't remember it right now
3: so I can actually tell you which yeast strains those are oh we got ready. them
0: yeah go go for it
3: so this summer we have Belgian summer strains coming out uh, we are bringing out the Flanders Golden Ale number 3739 remember that number our second strain is a Trappist style blend, uh, number 3789. I'm looking forward to trying that one out. We're going to let you try all of them out. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and our last strain is the Belgian Dark Ale, number 3822. So these guys can probably tell you a lot of information about each one of those.
1: Well, you can you can find that uh, information at <coughs> yuseclab.com, and also we will post all this info at experimentalbrew.com. So the remember, the idea is that. You pick one of these strains, you come up with a recipe for it, you send it in. If we pick your recipe as the one that looks the best for that strain, you will win fabulous prizes, but not a new car.
0: Yeah. Well, and <laughs> just so you guys know, if you haven't been aware, you know, obviously, Wyse has been doing seasonal strains for a number of years now, uh, just to kind of keep the variety moving and having, having some fun going. Many years. Yeah, And this year, for whatever crazy reason... Uh, Jenny decided to let uh, Denny and I choose what the strains were. <laughs> so uh, th- that's the reason why Saisons were the spring feature because I'm me. And that's right. Saisons will always be there. And obviously, for most homebrewers, I always tend to think that summertime is a wonderful time for making Belgian beers. So this will be a perfect opportunity for you. We will break out and make like your Duval clones or your Duval inspired beers. You have know, things inspired by, say, oh, I want to make a Westie 12. Or, you know, or even you want to make something like a Modit or or another Belgian-style dark ale. This is the perfect time to seize onto those strains and get some unique characteristics that you can't get out of the regular strains that you're going to see. So, by all means, get excited and make some recipes. But right now for the competition, Jenny, when are the strains being released?
3: Uh, They should be coming out the first week of July. All
0: right, so you got a couple of weeks to think about Mm. what your your recipes are. Start watching your local homebrew shop, but also at the same time, Get your entries into contestandexperimentalbrew.com. Remember, one recipe ID, give us the recipe itself and which strains that you which strain you're targeting and we'll go from there and we'll figure out who's a winner.
1: Yeah, right. And Jenny, thank you so much for being a sponsor of the podcast for this contest and for everything that you guys do for Homebrew, You guys rock.
3: Well, thank you for inviting us. And one reason we did choose you guys is because you were voted and recognized as being the number one podcasters for hobbyists.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? People have such lousy taste. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jenny. We'll uh, we'll let you go back to anonymity now. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you bet.
0: Everybody give Jenny a hand. All
1: right y East is collaborating with homebrew icons and top-rated hobby podcasters Denny Kahn and Drew Beecham to bring you the Y-East private collection strains for 2017. Our second quarter features a great variety of strains for saisons and related styles as we shift into spring and the warmer weather ahead. With their rustic and refreshing profiles and versatile pairings, there's no better way to welcome the new season. Try something funky with our Saison Brett blend, Go classic Belgian with beer to guard or discover Forbidden Fruits unique flavors in a wit beer. When I'm done brewing, I want to be done brewing, not waiting around for my wort to cool. With the Hydra, the Corny Pillar and the other great chillers from Jaded, I can be done when I'm done. No more waiting 20 minutes for the wort to cool enough to add whirlpool hops. No more messing with cleaning and sanitizing counterflow or plate chillers. With the super fast immersion chillers from Jaded, you can chill your wort in minutes without all the hassle. Jaded chillers aren't just works of art. They're the fastest, most effective chillers you can buy. Check them out at jadedbrewing.com. see uh, Clay and Jeremy from Jaded Brewing over there. How about we talk to them for a little while?
0: Okay. It's not like they make good <laughs> products or anything.
1: <laughs> Hiya guys. Hey, how's to it going share, guys? You have to share
0: a mic. Yeah, sorry, you're gonna have to share a mic because apparently our audio engineer forgot to bring a fourth input. Uh-oh. Oh
1: yeah, well, you know, I can't remember everything, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs>
8: So All right, just know one take pictures of both of us sharing a microphone here. <laughs>
1: oh, I, <laughs> just remember,
0: real close.
9: <laughs> so how you been since last year when we saw you? We've been pretty good. So uh, just keeping busy uh, making new products.
1: I was going to say, I see we have a new product here on the table that I hadn't seen before.
9: Yeah, that is our little pillar. We uh, we figured we'd name it so that you can still pronounce it after you have too many beers to
0: drink. <laughs> little pillow, little pillar. pillow. Little oh, now I think that's going
9: to go terrible.
1: <laughs> so and and what was that developed? That for? is uh,
9: specifically designed for uh, if you're brewing inside the uh, 1.75 liter kegs uh, with like the Pico C or Pico S. Um, cool. That'll chill down the wort. Uh, in a 1.25 gallon batch in about four minutes with tap water.
1: (laughs) That's amazing, man. I just absolutely love my Hydra and the corny pillar. I mean, those things are so efficient.
9: They're so fast. It's awesome. We've had so many people come into the booth today and just say, hey, I have your Hydra. Change my brew day. I love it, and just walk away.
1: That's great, man. <laughs> and you guys are you guys are great on support. When we had some questions pop up on the AHA forum recently about using the hydro with warmer water, you, you were like right there explaining how to do it.
9: Yeah, it's one of the things that we're, we're very um, into is just making sure that everyone knows how to use the product properly. Because it, it really does uh, affect the performance of it. And when we see something like that, where it's that far away from what we know it can do, it's definitely something we want to stay on top of and make sure that everyone knows uh, the proper way to use it to get what we, what we know it can do. Yeah, right.
8: Yeah, we, we creep around the forums. <laughs> <laughs> now and then we pop our face out there, but
9: otherwise
1: we just creep around
8: and see what everyone's saying.
1: Uh, and it, it's generally extremely good stuff
0: well, uh, from what I've seen. And I, I was going to say, it's not creeping around, it's market research. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's exactly, yes. just right. like it's not stalking. It's just <laughs> intensive looking. <laughs> well, So now, just real quick, like how long have you guys been in business as Jaded? Because, I mean, it's like suddenly you guys appeared and, like, really started to kind of kick a lot of butt with these chillers.
9: Uh, we've been in business for uh, about four and a half years now. Um, and uh, we, uh, I mean, we did, we made a little bit of a, a noise when we came on the scene just because no one was doing the multi-feed. And uh, the multi feed is really the, the crux of where you get a lot of the speed from. Yeah. Because um, when you run the, the chilling coils in uh, parallel, um, it's essentially like using two or three chillers at one time. Right. And, you, and it sets up some convection
0: currents and it helps kind of break up the jacket. And... Yeah.
9: And um, we do normally recommend that you either stir or move the chiller during chilling uh, just because it, it really helps facilitate the, uh, the um, cooling process. And it, it helps... Um, conserve water as well, because it cuts down the chilling time. So. Well,
0: I was going to say, I mean, I live in Pasadena, California, which means my groundwater temperature is somewhere just south of boiling. <laughs> and, you know, uh, during summer in particular. And I know that with the Hydra and putting in the recirculation uh, piece, you know, with the little arm that you guys uh, sell as well, and then blasting it with the ice water for the last little bit, yeah, I mean, I can drop a 15-gallon batch in no time. It's, and, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, and, and, of course, remember, guys, for me, like, when I'm doing my saisons, which is about half of what I brew... I want to take that initial batch temperature down from boiling to about 63, 64 before I do my pitch, which again, my groundwater is literally at like 78 degrees, and I think uh, you know, that's about normal for L.A., and yeah, if I, it, with anything else, I can't get down there without having to do a lot of steps or a lot of time, so I, I,
9: really, I really dig it, and it's been really awesome to have. Yeah, and that's the thing. We hear that from so many different customers. And we get emails on a weekly basis of people saying, you know, just uh, thanks for making such a great product. and it, it does what you say it does, and that's that's our main goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we literally, when we did our testing, we tested over and over again to make sure it could do what we say it does. And uh, we stand behind it. We have a six-month guarantee where if someone buys it and it doesn't perform the way that the, we say it does, they, they get their money back, including shipping charges. Wow. So,
1: that's, that's great. I mean, it, it shows what a great product you guys make, because if you knew that people were going to be sending it back, you wouldn't be doing that. Exactly. Or
8: or if you don't like it, you can just recycle it and get the same amount of money back, probably. <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> that's a there's lot a, of copper. A, I was
1: going to say, there's a lot of copper in yeah, there. I was going to say, the,
0: I think the one disadvantage with the Hydra is, dang, that sucker gets heavy. <laughs> it sure yeah. does.
1: Yeah, but you don't have to lift it very often. <laughs> <That's true. laughs>
0: Right. Well, and hey, so before before we're done, do you guys? I mean, obviously we talked about the little pillar, but what else are you guys uh, developing? Is there anything fun?
9: We uh, we will have a um, a larger version of our cyclone coming out soon.
0: Oh, and, and for for those who haven't seen the cyclone, what is the cyclone? The
9: cyclone is our cleanable counterflow chiller.
0: Um, oh, so that's right, the one that comes apart on the sides with yeah, tubing. Yeah,
9: and that has a brush that you can uh, clean the inside out of it, and you can check it uh, visually. Uh, so we have a larger version of that. Um, we have an immersion chiller coming out for the grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you uh, don't like the counter flow chiller uh, setup that they have that comes with it, uh, we'll have an option for an immersion chiller.
8: Oh, that's great, man. And we have a, a product that we have here that's not on the site yet, but it's called the electric chair for electric brewers that want to use an immersion chiller. <laughs> so it sits above. It's, it's a... A chair that <laughs> that, that, that uh, raises, <laughs> raises above your electric element, so then you can put oh, your chiller right. on top uh, and not worry about wow. crushing or hurting your element.
1: You guys think of everything. That's really brilliant. <laughs> we try to. God, that's great.
8: And we get a lot of our ideas from um, people who have problems right. and send their problem to us, and we go, "Oh, we can solve that." Hey, we got a new product. This is awesome. <laughs>
1: Cool. That, well, and again, man, that, that's what makes you guys so cool, is that you are really there to give homebrewers what they need in the best
8: possible way. That's what we're always trying to do.
1: Yeah, well, thanks for doing that, and thanks for being here with us today.
8: Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, it's
1: thanks, guys. Always our pleasure, guys. See you around. All that's
9: right, a, thanks.
0: Okay. So thank you to the folks from Jaded. All
8: yeah.
1: right, Jaded.
0: All right, who's next, Denny?
1: We have Brian Pierce here from YCH Hops.
0: Hey, Brian. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me on here. Right. Oh,
1: man, it's our pleasure. So, you know, I was going to say, so what's new at YCH? But we all know that the hot thing is cryo hops, yeah,
10: right? or the hot, the hot cold thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, no, so yeah, cryo is our, is our new product this year that we came out with. Uh, we've been developing it for several years now. Uh, released it to the craft industry early this year. Right. And uh, now making kind of the big release into the homebrew market this July. I, I saw it
1: when I was at Hop and Brew School last year. Yeah. it was all very hush-hush at that point. And I have just been waiting to get my hands on some. And finally just got a little sample that I was able to start brewing with. Uh, they're, they're amazing. Why don't you describe what yeah. they
10: are? Yeah. So, Cryo Hops is kind of a, it's a unique new thing that we're doing. It's uh, We take hops and we actually flash freeze them with liquid nitrogen. And then we're fractionating them. So we break them apart and we actually separate out all the lupulin glands uh, separately from all the leaf and bract material of the hop. And so what you end up with on the other end of the process is you end up with a really concentrated form of all the alpha acids and all the oil from the hop variety. And so you just further express the the variety that it came from.
0: Well, I was going to say, because I mean, and I saw some people playing around with this like by hand, like, oh, look, we'll dump liquid nitrogen on top of leaf hops and crush them up. And turn this in. So this is like a more industrialized version of this, more
10: refined. Yes, yes. So it's a very, it's a very complex process. Uh, we have quite a, we have a whole separate facility just for cryo, um, and yeah, we run through. And it's neat when we get to the temperatures we get to. Um, you know, things have become very brittle. Yep. But the looping glands themselves actually become very hard, and it's really easy to physically separate at that oh, really? point away from the very light leaf material.
0: That's really interesting. I what? had no idea. And so the, the cryo hops are launching next month in the homebrew market
10: yes yep they'll be in july
0: kind of early mid-july All right so yeah. you should start to be able to see them in the in the homebrew stores and how many
10: varieties are you launching right? uh we're going to be launching uh, i believe this was six varieties it'd be citra simcoe uh, mosaic as well as laurel equinot and cascade that's awesome now for i also know that the other changes when it first launched into the
0: craft brew market a lot of it was in powder because we talked with uh the folks at uh uh Block 15. Block 15. Oh, sure. About sticky hands, and they were talking about yeah. the usage, and they're like, oh, well, when you use this, it's really it really works best if you mix it with some hot pellets
7: so sure, that they can sure. kinda, it can
0: kind of dissolve in, because otherwise, we want it floats on top, but to the homebrew market, you guys are releasing it in a pelletized form.
10: Yes, that's correct. And actually, even in the craft industry, we're really moving towards mostly pellets. Um, there are a few people out there who have had it this year. They're like, no, I really like the powder. I want to keep it as powder. Right. Um, so that'll be available in the craft industry, but for the homebrew market uh, and probably good eighty percent of the craft industry, everything will be pelletized.
0: And what is so the advantage with the pellets is that they dissolve better; they, they handle better in the kettle. Yeah,
10: the biggest thing is just handling, and uh, I think kind of like you alluded to in the craft industry, you know, a lot of equipment is designed and built around using a T ninety pellet. Right. So being able to have it in the same form allows you to use the same equipment. Um, you know, and not have that learning curve or having to buy or change your setups or anything like that. Um, And then, yes, uh, the big advantage for pellets is for dry hopping. So the powder being so light and being very resinous and concentrated, uh, basically oil... Mm-hmm. Uh, putting that in a cold wort or a cold beer, it has a hard time kind of incorporating. Right. So with the pellet, we're able to, to help it kind of break the surface tension of the liquid that's in there. Um, well, and now how do how do you expect most people to use this, or how is this mostly being used? So it's really de- it's you know it's really designed for uh, the late later editions uh, for flavor and aroma. Um, it's kind of deceiving because you'll see that it's so concentrated that the alpha acids for the varieties are about double what they normally are. Yeah. Uh, but it's that's really not intended for bittering at all. Uh, it's just kind of a, the nature of what it is.
1: Yeah, uh, when I when I got my sample from you guys and I looked at the back of the Equinaut and I think it said like 22.46 alpha. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
10: I mean, you can definitely get IBUs with it, but, uh, you know, it's really, it's meant for flavor and aroma, um, mainly because the oil is also that, uh, you know, double the concentration. Mm -hmm. So if you throw it early in your kettle, you're going to volatize off a lot of the flavor and aroma components that you're hoping to achieve with it. So, uh, you know, why you'd be buying it?
0: Well, and, and so, yeah, I mean, really what we're trying to do is get into a form factor that you can deliver more oil. Yes. and more flavor compounds without all the green chlor- chlorophyll-laden material that's gonna muck things
10: up. Yeah, and so that's that's the real advantage of cryo hops, is you know, you're, you're able to, to really use a concentrated form of the variety, and you're taking off all the vegetative matter Right. So you know, when it comes to putting it in the kettle, throwing it in the whirlpool, you're reducing your, your troop pile significantly right? because it's no longer in there. It's no longer soaking up your good beer. And then it's if you're uh, dry hopping as well, you don't have that vegetative matter sitting. Your beer's not sitting on that anymore, so contact time becomes much less of an issue. Right. I
1: I've used my first sample as dry hops, man, and the speed and the effectiveness of those was just amazing, and not, not to mention the, the great rich aroma I got out
10: of it. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Yeah, and now this just makes me want to go and make an IPA with hop extract and followed by a whole bunch of cryo hops in the finish.
10: Right, like the ideal efficient beer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Hold on.
1: Speaking of hop extract, uh, that's something I get a lot of questions about. I know you guys make hop extract for the commercial market. Are you sure going to go into the homebrew market with the extracts?
10: Yeah, that's a really big discussion we're having now is we feel like we're, we're really missing out to a lot of people who really want it. You yeah. know, we, we make a lot of CO2 extract for the craft industry, um, and we're just, right now, We're really in the phase of trying to find what's the best way of packaging it um, and what, what sort of form would people want to purchase it in. I know there's a lot of precedents out there for, like, the syringes or something like that. Um, but we're, we're wanting to see, do we want to recreate the wheelers or something better we can provide to the industry? You know,
1: and, and it seems like there must be something better, but I can't tell you what it is. Yeah. But I know that the stuff is so concentrated, it's got to be a real challenge to get it down to homebrew quantities. Uh, I got a sample at Hop and Brew School once that was, like, about a the size of a tuna can and it's like uh this will do like 100 gallons of beer to 50 ibus (laughs) i don't know what i'm gonna do with this (laughs) yeah absolutely
10: yeah absolutely
1: well great man i'm really glad to hear that that's coming too and i am really excited about you guys getting cryo hops out into the homebrew community and i know that a lot of homebrewers are really excited about it too
10: yeah i'm I'm very excited about it it's great myself as a homebrewer it's been really fun to play around with and uh, i'm excited to get a lot of feedback from the industry it's just uh what are they experiencing what are they seeing and uh... Yeah, it's going to be great.
0: Well, and I was going to say, you guys are handing out one-ounce samples over there. Yes. And, I mean, how many pounds of samples have you guys gone through now with the cryo? Oh, man, we
10: <laughs> we brought quite a few with us. We just had boxes and boxes. So
0: yeah. it was yeah. like, I know
10: yesterday when the when the floor opened up, it was like the zombie hordes descending upon the cryo. <laughs> box. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no. And actually, you know, it's funny you say, like, the one-ounce samples So something I probably didn't really mention is, you know, because it's so concentrated, really the dosage rate is going to be about half of what you normally use for a teen. 90 pellet. And so, you know, so the advantage of that is your one-ounce sample pack is really the same as buying a two-ounce sample or a two-ounce package of, of the same variety.
2: Okay.
0: Well, I mean, I can't wait to see what people are going to do with it. I mean, obviously, people are having a lot of fun in the craft brewer world with it. Yeah, with some of these new hop products that are coming online, both, you know, the cryopatters and the hop hashes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's a chance to do some different expression of hop character. So, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah.
3: Great.
1: Thanks a lot for joining us, Brian. Yeah, we really appreciate much. it. And all you guys out there, keep your eyes open for YCH Cryo Hops coming soon to a homebrew shop near you. <laughs> thank you <laughs> very much. Thanks a lot. So uh, we're going to bring up Brad Ring from BYO Magazine next. Brad, uh, you're, the, you're the publisher of BYO. Is that what I am? Uh... I am. All
6: I am. right. So... Long-time listener, first-time caller.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here with us today, man. So, besides all the other cool things that uh, Brew Your Own does, one of the things you started doing recently is running uh, boot camps for brewers, and I-, I would really like to hear more about that.
6: Sure, sure. It's, uh, uh, we- we've decided to go with a, a hands-on, small-class approach to uh, learning about home brewing, And we started it uh, in the last year, we've so far have done two. Uh, first was in Burlington, Vermont. Second one was in Santa Rosa, California, and then our next one coming up is November third and fourth in Indianapolis, and then after that we've got one that we just uh, solidified the plans for in uh, San Diego, wow. uh, February second uh, and third. So With February in San Diego wouldn't suck, would it? It's uh, a little warmer than back home in Vermont, where we're based.
0: So <laughs> yeah, <I'll> bet, man. <laughs> i don't know. It doesn't feel all that different to me than Pasadena, California. I mean...
1: <laughs> and, and it looks like you cover different topics in each one. Yeah, we,
6: we, we, we try to run uh, in between 8 and 10 uh, full-day classes. Uh, each class is limited to 35 people, so very uh, small, intimate gatherings. Uh, we've got uh, some of the top industry experts uh, teaching Looking at I see uh, uh, Dr. Chris White uh, from White Labs and he uh, teaches an advanced yeast techniques uh, all, day, all day seminar. Uh, we also have uh, Gordon Strong, uh, Michael Tonsmeyer, Brad Smith, John Palmer. Uh, so a lot of recognizable names, a lot of folks who write for us regularly. Uh, so it's been a great way for us to take what we do in the pages of Brew Your Own Magazine and take it into a live event. Uh, And and do so in a little bit of a different format that that we see uh, currently out there. We saw a need for it, and we thought that we would uh, really emphasize the hands on learning aspect. Right. I I, I don't know, it
0: sounds like there are a couple of names missing from
6: there. (laughs) (laughs) Hands, (laughs) hands.
1: So, you mentioned that Chris did the advanced lease techniques. What are some of the other topics that you've covered?
6: Uh, Gordon Strong is doing an advanced uh, all-grain techniques, and we're we actually, uh, John Blickman custom-built uh, a totally over-the-top electric brewing system that he wheels into uh, the ballroom of whatever hotel we're taking over, and uh, so he, he's doing that, different uh, mashing uh, techniques. Uh, we also have, uh, in, uh, coming up in Indianapolis, Josh Weikert's going to do an advanced oh, hopping techniques, uh, so, all sorts, everything from mash hopping to uh, knockout whirlpool hopping, and and uh, learning to analyze and hop rub properly, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we're uh, you know really really. Covering the gamut, we also have some introductory brewing uh, classes uh, for those just getting into it. Cool. John Palmer's going to uh, do a home brewing 101, so well, get I, people started on I, the right I, foot. I
1: would say that that's right up Palmer's alley. Yeah, yeah.
6: <laughs> How to brew? So, <laughs>
1: yeah, really. so what? Uh, what else is on the horizon for brew your own, Brad?
6: Uh, well, we're we're really uh, investing a lot more on the digital side. Uh, yeah. You know, that's definitely where things are going. We're still very strong, uh, you know, as a print publication, but. We're looking to enhance a lot more on the uh, the digital edition that we put out, as well as we're uh, going to be uh, overhauling and launching a, a brand new, completely brand new website here in the next uh, four wow. months for great. byo.com. So, oh,
1: that's going to be so. Exciting. We've been putting a lot
6: of work and effort and, and uh, resources into that the last uh, year. Wow,
1: that's great, man. That that'll be really nice. Your website is good now, and I just I'm looking forward to seeing it once you make it even better.
6: Well, thanks, thanks. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. Well, thanks for joining us you today, You bet. No, this was we, fun. This well, was fun. Well, we really appreciate it, and uh, hope to see you at one of those boot camps one of these days. You bet.
6: You bet. We'd love to have you there.
1: All right, man. Thanks all a right. lot. You bet. Thanks Take care. Okay. We're going to bring up Gary Williams from Accumash to talk about what they're doing in terms of uh, making water treatment easy and effective for all you guys out there. Gary, thanks so much for joining us today, man.
11: Well, thank you a ton for having us. Oh, it's our pleasure.
1: So, uh, tell us a little bit about what Accumash is and how it works.
11: Well, Accumash is a a water additive. Um, You start off with distilled or RO, or reverse osmosis water. Um, You look at your recipe and look at the characteristics. Uh, You pick the packet, uh, one of the nine versions that we have that... uh, that it meets the traits of that recipe, uh, you add it to your water, we'll get your mash pH in, that, in the desired 5.2 to 5.7 range. Um, if it's a hoppy beer, we make the, we've got the chloride-to-sulfite ratio set up so the hops pop. Um, if it's a malty version, we accentuate the malt, and uh, if it's balanced, we put you right down the center.
1: And so, like, how did you come up with all these different profiles and, and decide what was going to be in one of these packs?
11: well I was a, I'm, a, I'm a chemical engineer and uh, I was using a uh, using some of the tools available online and and was uh, frustrated not getting the, the desired results I wanted and uh, it was it was really through experimentation uh, we we were able to because we have the nine different varieties we were able to carve out little subsections where we could control the chemistry. And it, and it was through just uh, experimentation, just again and again, tuning the formulas until you get the desired result and get the, uh, the, the taste enhance, enhancements you want, and then also building off the, the knowledge that's out there for homebrewers. I mean, we're not, the, the, the basic uh, chemicals and the, the salts that we're using are, are very common to in the industry. So. Um
1: these packages that you sell are like to treat a five-gallon batch is that the idea
11: yeah yeah that's right um, so it, it is uh, it's for a five-gallon batch and you add it directly with your grain into the mash um, it uh, you know uh, we are doing some uh, doing working with some breweries now uh, we have a one barrel and a five barrel version working with some of the smaller breweries uh, uh, they kind of started seeking us out and uh, you'll, you'll be seeing that grow
1: so and, and these are out there in the market right now right people can walk into their homebrew supply shop and get them
11: yeah yeah for sure uh, we're we're at a multiple homebrew stores uh, even on on online at several of the online guys uh, uh, and if, and if you're not um, uh, reach out to your homebrew store and, and let them know about us and we'll uh, help them get get them set up
1: great man well I, I grabbed some samples yesterday and I'm really looking forward to giving them a shot
11: well well that, uh, excited to hear your feedback uh, you know we want we really open to feedback we've uh, put it out there and want to hear from guys like you uh, and uh, if there's any opportunity for us to approve we feel like we got a really good product but uh, we, we take feedback and, and we'll continue to grow it from there because we, our, our plan is really to make this easier for home brewers we want to make water chemistry something you don't have to worry about in, unless you want to
1: well yeah I mean that's a great great thing and for me personally being the lazy brewer guy even just sitting down and weighing out the salts myself is more work than I want to do. You know, I know some people like that kind of stuff you know not me I just want to get to brewing.
11: yeah uh, you know there's a, uh, the technical uh, nerdy brewer and there's the brewer that tends more towards the art side and and uh, you know with the engineering background I, I wanted to do play with flavors I wanted to be more creative and, and didn't want to, to focus on water chemistry profiles for my recipe and 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 whenever I was pulling my hair out I'm like man somebody needs to make this easier so uh, that's what we're what we're doing
0: that cool. sounds great. Yeah, and I mean, and just so that everybody knows, I, the, whole, the whole idea is always that you're starting with like a distilled water or an RO water, and that's why you can you can start with these just chemical packs or these salt packs. It's not like you're trying to adjust for people's magical water wherever it is and pull off some sort of chemical magic
11: uh, magic trick. Yeah, there you, you definitely couldn't uh, compensate for all the different varieties of water or the different variations of water that people have. Uh, you have to start off with distilled, reverse osmosis, or RO. And that gives us that blank palette to build that our formulations are built up around. And then by carving out small uh, you know, recipe packets, that, that lets us tune it in for the, the, the type of beer you're brewing.
1: That's great, man. So everybody, uh, keep your eyes open for the Accumash water treatment packages. Uh, I think that uh, they're going to make your life a whole lot easier. And as far as I'm concerned, that's one of the keys to having fun while you're brewing.
11: Great guys, thank you so much for uh, having me up here. Uh,
1: Gary, it's been a real pleasure, man. Best of luck to you guys, and uh, I'll be getting in touch after I have a chance to try stuff.
11: Cool, look forward to feedback. Thanks, guys. All right, man, thank you. Thank you.
1: Okay, we are now talking to Mr. Jonathan Etley from Craftmeister. How are you today, buddy?
4: Doing real good. How are you guys doing, Danny and Drew? Ah, uh, it's HomebrewCon. How could we not be doing good? Yeah, uh, that's
1: right, that's right. So what's new in the Kraftmeister world?
4: Oh, first off, uh, uh, if you guys like hats, I brought you each a hat. So, <laughs> oh, so thank geez. you for being such awesome guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, now, what's new at Craftmeister lately is uh, trying to set some some new light on one of our oldest products, uh, National Chemicals, uh, based right here in uh, Winona, Minnesota, just a couple hours south of the convention. Uh, we are hitting our 70th year of continuous family-owned operation in 2017 this year. Wow. Amazing. So... Uh, it, it's, cause sometimes it's nice to make uh, what's old new again, and so I've been trying to talk to a lot of people, uh, homebrewers that stop by the booth here that I'm in, uh, about our BTF iota four iodine sanitizer. Uh, you know, iodine's kind of old school; uh, it, it back ended into the homebrew market in the early '80s, um, and uh, it was originally designed by us as a, a, a beer glass sanitizer. And uh, I've been trying to encourage folks to kind of branch out and try some different sanitizer options their own brewery at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that I can tell you about iodine is that it kills anything it comes into contact with.
1: Yeah, you know what, man? You have you convinced me to go back and revisit my IOTA4 usage, and I am really, really enjoying it.
4: No, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, one thing I think is uh, nice is, uh, you know, there's room for more than one sanitizer in your brewery. You don't have to be loyal to one single product. Um, it's nice to mix things up and hit your microbes with the different sanitizer every now and again. Right,
1: that's what I discovered.
4: You keep things on their toes. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. keep
1: things on their toes. Yeah. Keep those little microbes jumping.
4: Yeah, and there's some microbes that are a little resistant to acid sanitizers, in particular uh, wild yeast like Britannomyces, uh, uh, Pediococcus, Lacto. Uh, iodine <laughs> even kills things like uh, anthrax and botulism. Wow. And, and nasty bloodborne pathogens, including uh, herpes simplex and the HIV virus. So you can be ensured that you'll never what? get that in your beer. <laughs> well, I'll
1: tell you. Keeping, you talk
4: about infections.
1: I was going to say, <laughs> keeping that stuff out of my beer is never something I've thought about before, but now I know I don't have to worry about it. Uh, Absolutely.
4: All right, don't they have drugs for that? They should, but yeah. <laughs> no, and I'm uh, also just trying to raise some more awareness for folks that live right here in Minnesota that want to support a local product line. Uh, National Chemicals and Craftmeister mm-hmm. is a good way to do that. Um, We're trying to make your life easier for cleaning your gear properly. Um, Whether that's uh, our alkaline brewery wash that you can use in ice-cold water or pre-measured tablets that you can just yuck into your kegs and carboys. Uh, My two-year-old daughter can even use these things at home, it's fantastic.
1: So, yeah, man. Yeah, I, my life would be much more difficult without that alkaline brewery wash. Yeah. That stuff is amazing.
4: I, I've talked to a number of folks of uh, another sponsor of the show, uh, Pico Brew. I've talked to at least 10 people that have uh, Zymatics or um, uh, the new Pico S at home. Yeah. And they mentioned that the alkaline brew wash is an outstanding cleaner for that uh, fermenting and boiling keg.
1: Oh, man. That can be such a mess when you're done with that stuff. You know? and, that, and the alkaline cleaner just you know, it's, it's wonderful. It just totally cleans it out.
4: Oh, thanks so much. And, uh, you know, one thing I would like to encourage to all the homebrewers out there listening to the show, um, yeah. don't be afraid to try something different, whether it's a different cleaning product, whether it's a new ingredient. Uh, just because you use the same cleaner for 10, 15, 20 years doesn't mean you can throw something different every now and again. You might be surprised and likely to try out.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, you know what? And I had ended up with a really low-level house infection a couple of years ago. Nothing that was going to ruin beer, but just, you know, a, a consistent flavor that was there, and that's when I started getting back into using IOTA 4 again, and it just it wiped it out. And it's like you say, you know, surprise the microbes.
4: Yeah, yeah, you got to keep them on their toes. <laughs> so <laughs> I would also like to mention that uh, uh, the folks that listen to the show, they're in homebrew clubs. Uh, if you'd like uh, to hit me up for a sponsorship for your competition or event, uh, you can reach me at the email info at craftmeister.com anytime, and uh, I'll try to help you out as best I can
1: great and, and he's I very know
4: generous th- with samples he, he
1: really is and jonathan and craftmeister are huge supporters of the homebrew community so uh, if you need some prizes for a competition or something like that shoot him an email he's easy to find
4: yep it goes right to me
1: <laughs> great thanks a lot jonathan we really appreciate you man
4: stay weird guys we'll see you at club night <laughs> all, <laughs> all right you we know
10: will
0: <laughs> all right and next up well it's time to talk a little bit more about yeast with dr chris chris white
1: from white labs how are you today chris
12: Hello. hello doing great
1: good man thanks for joining us we really appreciate you having here
12: thank you Happy to be here.
1: Thanks. And I would have said that better if I hadn't been drinking.
12: Ah, oh, I love HomebrewCon. <laughs> HomebrewCon, the only place where you can keep stumbling around and ask for another beer.
1: So what's happening at White Labs these days?
12: Oh, lots going on. Uh, making more and more yeast all the time. We've been working on new facilities. We started making yeast in Asheville, North Carolina, in January. Really? So, I'm going there in the next couple days after the show. I'm going to spend about three weeks uh, trying to finish up some of the other parts of the construction. Uh, we're finishing up a, uh, a classroom, uh, analytical lab, and a little tap room. The tap room will open uh, in September or October.
0: All right. Well, and I was going to say, it, I know that you guys also changed up your vault program recently.
12: Yep. So, yep.
0: that had been the program where it was like, oh, hey, look, if enough people buy, the, or enough people indicate an interest in the G Stream, we'll release it. And yeah. now that's, that mechanism is changing, right?
12: Well, we're just trying to make it better. So the, uh, the idea behind the vault in the beginning was hey, we've got all these strains. How do we get more than the 86 we're already making and get stores to want to buy them and things and keep them fresh? Uh, so we thought instead of us sitting around you know a table in San Diego deciding what yeast should be released, let's let the home brewers decide. So that started last year, uh, and the number was set at 250 because that could kind of release a batch to get made. Mm-hmm. And um, we did. Uh, and then earlier this year, we said, "How can we do it more?" So we decided to release all the strains, even if they weren't at 250. So all the strains we had in the vault got released up to this point, and we've kind of reset it. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, even if there was, you know, 42 ordered, we we made that batch and shipped it individually to the home brewer. So now this year, we wanted to increase this number of strains, so we added. A bunch of new strains to the vault, and uh, we tried to increase the access. So uh, we lowered the number from 250 to 150 for homebrewers, and we uh, opened up a seasonal release to the homebrew stores. So if the homebrewer didn't want to individually buy it, they'd still find it in the stores every two months. That kind of replaced the platinum program we had for homebrew stores where they got two new strains every mm-hmm. two months. Now that comes from the vault, and there's a way for commercial brewers to order. which It could always order specialty strains, but it wasn't clear what collection it was. Now it's all called vault. Wow. Uh, so we're going to keep adding strains to it and and make them in San Diego and Asheville.
0: Well, so now I have to ask, what, what does that mean for, like, my beloved Saison 3?
12: Uh, well, uh, It means uh, you could get an order together of you and 149
1: friends. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have that many
12: friends. Listeners? I only have Denny.
1: That's true. We could probably get a a listener campaign going. Yeah.
12: Easier to reach than 250. This is true. And if it's on our uh, annual lineup, um, I'd have to look at that, what we have listed out through uh, uh, November and December anyway, and see if it's on one of those months, and you'll know it'll be uh, available in stores.
0: Well, and I know like one of the strains that you're releasing now is the, uh, the Australian, the Melbourne, yeah.
12: right? Yeah, Melbourne Ale Yeast, yeah, that's because of Peter Simons. And uh, his book research led to that strain, and he, we put that in vault for him right from the beginning, but it never reached the 250. Uh, and uh, people, we were only releasing it to the United States, uh, home brewers, because of the shipping cost of an individual vial. So we're going to open it up internationally too now. And uh, we also wanted to release that for him, for him in the beginning part of the vault. And I'm going to uh, go to their craft brewers conference next month in July. And so I wanted that strain to be available uh, and for him and his friends to be able to get it.
0: Yeah, well, I I'd interviewed uh, Peter for the podcast earlier, and that came out just like literally the week before the yeast strain was going to be released from the vault. Okay. It was like before the end of the special orders, and I was like, okay, oh, hey, guys, you better hurry up and get it because uh, you've got two days after this podcast release. And <laughs> yeah. I, I've been hearing a lot of buzz from people about it, and the uh, listeners who have gotten the yeast strain and, and started to use it have been really excited and, and really pleased with the results that they're
12: getting. That's great. Yeah, and that's, you know, that's why that was really the whole reason for the vault, because home brewers are going to like some of these strains, but it's not something that you know, maybe enough commercial breweries are going to buy, and it might not have all the same performance things people are looking for for to be able to regularly stock in homebrew stores.
1: So, Chris, i got a question. Out of all those strains of yeast, have you got a favorite?
12: Well, I'm a little boring. Yes. You know, I'd say my favorite strain is still California Ale Yeast 001. It's what I did most of my home brewing with. I made so many different styles, so I like that a lot. Uh, and then I, um, I like our 007, uh, the Dry English Ale Yeast, because uh, it, it has some of those clean properties as well, but it's super flocculent. Um, San Diego Super. I like the French Saison Yeast. Uh, and you know all, we have a lot of different saison yeasts. Uh, yeah, I was
0: going to say, are you going to release any more saison yeast that are going to have to go onto my my list, <laughs> force me to brew another batch?
12: Probably, because <laughs> there's so many interesting strains in that farmhouse kind of category that because they make so you know they're so yeast-driven beers and they, they've got each one is different. So
0: it's true. But I, uh, I swear, every time I turn around, there's another uh, another <laughs> yeast strain out there. I gotta, gotta, uh, I gotta brew another batch. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what a chore that is, huh?
0: It's not like I don't like to drink them, so it is what it is.
1: <laughs> really, Chris, thanks a bunch for joining us yeah, today, thank man. You. We really appreciate your time and and everything you do for homebrewers, man. You guys are great.
0: And if you want to get involved with the the vault and see what's coming up and get part of like you know helping decide some of the things that are coming out, it's at uh, www.whitelabs.com/slash/the vault. Right? Yep. And get, you can get involved with uh, getting some new yeast strains out. And you get, right now, it's Melbourne Yeast and Funky Cider Yeast is coming up. Yep. And then later on in the year, one of my other favorites was Tins Valley and the, the Leeuwenhoek, uh, the Saison blend.
12: Yep. So the first two will be store, in stores uh, within a couple, You know, the beginning of July. And, uh, again, homebrewers can always go on and order 80 strain that's not on the list and build that number to 150, and we'll release that batch just to those people who bought it.
1: That's great. So all you people out there listening... Uh, remember, there's power in numbers. <laughs>
12: Thanks, guys. Love what you do with all the experiments and everything else. Thank you, Thanks. Chris.
1: Really appreciate it, man. Mecca Grade Estate Malt is a craft malt house owned and operated by the Klon family on their beautiful Central Oregon High Desert Farm. Their eighth-generation Oregon farming family grows and malts all of their own specialty grain, creating malts that are rare, remarkable, and bursting with flavor. Malt is the foundation of your beer, so why settle? The best beers deserve Mechagrade. For more information, please visit mechagrade.com. It's time for more Water Talk. All right. We so. have Mr. Martin Bringard sliding into the guest chair here. Hey, Martin, how are you doing today? Doing fine, Denny. Great. Get right up on that mic, buddy. we got to drown out the karaoke in the background.
13: There you go. That's <laughs> so, a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. So one of the reasons we wanted to have Martin on here today is... Not just because we appreciate all the work he does for the homebrew community in terms of educating people about water and how to deal with it, but also because I hear so often online when I recommend using his brewing water spreadsheet, people say, oh, man, that is so difficult. I just could not deal with it. So we wanted to have Martin on here to give people a few tips about how to get started and what they should be
13: looking for when they're using brewing water. So take it. Can do. So Brewing Water is a relatively simple spreadsheet, but it, it looks intimidating. It right. has a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. but quite actually, when you uh, literally spend a few minutes reading the instructions, you can, Oh, come on. Wait, wait, that? you want me to read the instructions? Un- unfortunately, with something that has a lot of <laughs> inputs, you actually have to read the instructions, and, and
0: th- that can't be avoided. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine, make me read the instructions, but can you give me some uh, some cliff notes to the instructions? So, uh,
13: well, there's a couple of easy ways around uh, applying this program on a quick basis. First of all, if you're using a relatively innocuous water like RO, reverse osmosis water, that has virtually no ionic content, you can sort of sidestep a bunch of problems by entering literally zeros for everything. That takes care of one page. You move on to the next page where you talk about uh, the sparging water. Well, for RO water that has no alkalinity, well, you don't have to worry about that. So you move on to the third page. Enter your grain bill. Okay, that's simple enough. You have that somewhere. You're brewing. You know what you're brewing. Enter your... uh, Weights and measures enter the colors of the grains and the types, either a base malt, a crystal malt, or a roast malt, or acid malt. And you're done with that page. Then you <laughs> and, move on. And the whole reason to worry about the malt is because of different buffering, buffering capacities? Correct. So so the malt actually influences the overall uh, pH of the, the wort, and, and that's what we're trying to target here. We're trying to give... Uh, our beer, uh, the best start by changing the wort pH.
1: And now, then, excuse me for interrupting. My, the way I look at it, I want you to tell me if I'm off base or not. There's the pH that you have to get right for fermentation reasons, for mash conversion reasons. And it does have an impact on flavor. But then I, I also look at it and there's another side where you're adding things strictly for flavor and not necessarily influence. That is
13: correct. So I was right for once. So, and and that leads us to that last page that we have to deal with. And and it's set up in page format so that you can actually separate these very important yet unique elements uh, into their own categories. So that last page is where you start playing with the water. You start playing with the additions, and what you're trying to do is uh, add uh, ions like calcium and magnesium, sodium, sulfate, chloride, and ultimately end up with a a good mixture of those particular ions, and then also adjust the targeted pH so that you you can get where you want to be. And pH is such an important factor to the success and taste and perception of the finished beer.
1: So talk a little bit about how pH affects all those things.
13: Well, I think for most people, uh, the most important thing that they'll they'll be able to perceive immediately uh, upon brewing is a, because so many brewers suffer with high pH work, Uh, because our water supplies are typically very alkaline. Mm -hmm. Uh, Getting that pH down a bit, uh, it will make the beer much brighter, crisper, Mm -hmm. cleaner. Uh, You'll actually see much more hot break. Uh, I have definitely noticed that. It it is a stark uh, improvement. The other thing that people will see is that, for instance, say they're brewing a really light beer, well, suddenly, that light beer that you were brewing is actually light, whereas if you, if you brewed it with your, without doing this adjustment, it will come up a, uh, several points higher color. And for those of us who are brewing a pills or a, a Wit or something really light like that, you will pull your hair out until you fix that pH issue.
1: Until I got my pH together, all my Pilsners came out with this kind of brownish purple tint to them. Yeah,
13: and, and it's, it's a shame. It was disgusting. <laughs> and and it does it does affect flavor. Yeah, so, exactly.
0: the pH is a big deal. Yeah. Well, and so now, what, what are the common tools that people are going to have to be using? Yeah, if, when they're when they're set up in your sheet, they start they start entering in their numbers. They get their malt in there, but they need to make adjustments like. What, what are they reaching for? Like, What are your favorite tools in order to do that? So
13: by tools, you mean the, the mineral and acid hmm. adjustments, uh, or additions, I should say. So calcium chloride is a popular one, uh, gypsum, which is calcium sulfate, uh, maybe sodium bicarbonate, if, if in those cases where you need to boost alkalinity, it's rare, but sometimes it's needed. Epsom salt, which is magnesium sulfate, but most importantly, and, and I keep telling folks, acid is your friend. And-, and That's what we said back hi. in the 60s. <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> was the man wearing the tie yeah, Martin, yeah. Martin
1: saw my eyes light up when yeah. he said that.
13: <laughs> so, so acid is, in for a brewer, uh, acid truly is your friend. Uh, acid makes, well, literally every beer must have acid. Uh, either it comes from the malt, uh, through the use of a lot of crystal or adding an actual acid or adding a bunch of calcium salts or magnesium salts uh, or roasted malt, you, somewhere along the line, you have to add that acid. So this most important factor, though, uh, for, for most folks is learning to uh, to dose their, their mash and their sparging water with for instance, uh, lactic acid or phosphoric acid, both of those are very popular and easily uh, readily available in the U.S. And for brewers around the world, they will find that, uh, for instance, CRS in in the U.K. or uh, possibly sulfuric acids or or hydrochloric acid uh, can be utilized. But th- those guys are a little bit dangerous. Uh, so. For, for everyone, I, I recommend lactic uh, or phosphoric, and for those of you that are dealing with continental styles like German or Belgian, I highly recommend uh, lactic acid because, in my opinion, that's, that's a, a unique flavor contributor that uh, is a mainstay of those styles. I'm really happy to
1: hear you say that because lactic is what I've always used and I've had many people say, oh no, man, you need to be using phosphoric because lactic you're going to be able to taste.
13: And and that only really reels it, rears its head when you're dealing, say, with a, a very alkaline tap water. Um, so if, if you've got that case, maybe you need to go to an RO water or distilled water to cut your water, but otherwise, most people are not going to reach that uh, that flavor threshold.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and that's what I've always counted on and have found to be the case. So uh, once again, I'm glad to know that at least I had some idea of uh, sure. what was going on. There. And now the other thing that I, I'd like to have you talk a little bit about is this uh, kind of fallacy that increasing the sulfate makes a beer hoppier. Uh,
13: yeah, absolutely not. Uh, un- unfortunately, there's a, a word afoot that sulfate is is terrible with noble hops and you should never add sulfate if you've got a, a malty or a, a malt-focused beer. Uh, it's just a complete falsehood. Uh, Sulfate makes beer drier, finish drier. Whereas chloride, uh, the the other popular addition for brewing water, uh, makes beers fuller. Tastes fuller on your palate. It will not finish as dry in your mouth. Uh, For instance, I have a Scottish 70 uh, that I'll be serving at club night tonight. Uh, Very low-bittering. but. I have brewed it in the past with a a relatively high sulfate content in say 100 ppm. For and and for our listeners, uh, 100 ppm is kind of high. Yes, Uh, and it makes it 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 is not bitter uh, a bitter perceived beer, uh, but it does finish very nicely dry.
1: Right, and that you know it's like once you said that once I read that you had said that. It just kind of like went, oh, yeah, that's what's going on. You really, you really understand that perception there.
13: And, and the great thing about this, this dryness, uh, you, can, you can do this in your glass. So for instance, say you've got a, a beer that's just finishing way too full and, and malty, and you're just, you can't drink it. It's just cloying. You try a pinch of gypsum. You know, literally between your thumb and uh, forefinger, drop that in your, uh, say, a pint of beer, mix it up for a, a, a minute, try that. It should be markedly different.
1: And, and it is. I've done that exact thing. Uh, I recently had a, a beer that uh, I made where my grain mill had slipped and the gap was too wide. <laughs> So instead of being a 1075 IPA with 75 IBUs, it was a 1045 beer with 75 IBUs. Oh, yeah, it was it was pretty gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I uh, I started adding some uh, calcium chloride to the keg, yep. and it really really tamed that down. And instead of having 10 gallons of dumper beer, I had 10 gallons of beer that I could actually enjoy.
13: And, and that's the thing, uh, a lot of these things you can test out in the glass, and the same thing goes for acid, e- even though uh, adding acid post-fermentation is not ideal, right. uh, it can be used to, to help you
0: deduce whether or not it would make an improvement. Yeah. Cool, that's e- great. Any other water myths or anything, any, any other sort of water misconceptions that you think are out there that you want to bust people's heads for?
13: Hmm, not offhand, but uh, I, I do,
0: I do want to point
13: out that uh, there is an article in the uh, November-December 2015 Zymergy, uh, another mm-hmm. boost, boost here for uh, being an AHA member. Uh, all you AHA members can uh, reach this issue via the eZymergy uh, app or the web. Uh, there is an art that article is in that issue on on relatively simple water chemistry adjustments and it gives a little more synopsis than what we 're discussing here mm-hmm. on these simple changes and I invite any of your listeners to, to to just investigate, try those adjustments, see if it makes a difference read the the qualifiers that you know help you understand what your water consists of without actually getting a lab test, and give it a try.
1: And one other thing that I want to plug is on your website uh, where you can download the spreadsheet, you have a water knowledge page there that explains things in a way that even I can understand.
13: Yes. So as you, you both of you know, I was a technical editor for John Palmer and Colin Kaminsky's water book. Uh, that is a rather heady book, yes And understandably some folks might find it a little bit over their head, but I'm, I believe that uh, for for those folks and well really anyone, I think that you'll find that the water knowledge page on the Bruin Water uh, website will help you ease into the overall understanding of what what water chemistry is, why you need to deal with it, and how you deal with it
1: yeah and how it works that's what i really really appreciate martin thanks so much for being here with us today man you are so welcome and we uh, we will post a link to uh, martin's website uh, at experimentalbrew.com so you can all go uh, download brewing water check out the water knowledge page it's a free program but there is also a supporters version available for a very reasonable price with enhanced functionality and uh, Martin more than deserves your support. So, and remember,
0: read the instructions.
13: <laughs> read
1: the instructions, <laughs> tip number one.
0: Or you can always just email Martin and get, uh, get oh, further come aid.
1: On. <laughs> 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 I got a change job. That's what I always <laughs> tell people to do. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here so we can grab another beer. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about what's new in the world of brewcraft. Wee!
0: Interested in making wine or mead? Don't settle for lesser yeast. Instead, use Vintner's Harvest. Just ask Tyler Barber from Adventures in Homebrewing, who says, Vintner's Harvest yeast is all I have used for the past four years. I have done several small test batches with Vintner's Harvest, and I really like the MA33 for meads and fruit wines. Vintner's Harvest seems to tailor their yeast strains to the styles of meads and wines the home Vintner is most likely to make. Find Vintner's Harvest yeast wherever Brewcraft USA products are sold.
1: It's just about time, it's just about time, don't you think it's about time, we talked about beer, so come on in, come on in, just come on in. Pour yourself a beer. Okay, this is part where everybody sings. Beer,
8: beer, beer,
5: beer. Beer, 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 beer. Beer, beer, beer,
14: beer. Beer,
0: beer, beer,
1: beer. Yeah, right. Well, I guess that's enough of that everybody welcome back to experimental brewing live from the expo floor of homebrew con 2017 nice to see y'all here grab a beer and get ready we're about to talk to jared runyon of brewcraft hi jared
14: hi denny hi drew thanks for having me on
2: well
1: Thanks for being here, and thanks for giving us the space in your booth to do this podcast.
14: Well, uh, you know, this is our second year running, and I've got to say, I'm looking forward to next year already.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> next year's going to be great for us, man, because it's going to be in Portland. Oh huh? my
0: gosh, yes! yes. yes. he will be able to bring all the equipment and not have to ship anything.
1: That's right, and I'll be able to bring kegs of beer and uh, all that other stuff.
0: Oh, you know, okay, so yeah, I think that's a plan for next year. Is next year we're going to have to have kegs of beer during the show? And we can just spray people with beer as we're uh, as we're doing this.
14: <laughs> well, I,
0: the listeners can't see, but this truck right over here,
14: the growler. Oh, yeah, uh, that oh. they, we're we're already working on next year. So oh, can,
0: can I just say I I am an absolute car lust with that truck. <laughs> I right. so it's rumor has it has a four fifty four in it. It, it absolutely a, does. A, 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 an old milk truck. It is bad
1: it is gorgeous man this bright red totally tricked out milk truck it's just beautiful
0: with rows and rows and rows of taps on both sides
14: yeah
1: right that's right so jared what the heck is going on in the brewcraft world
14: it's been busy guys this has been a busy busy year um um, I'm happy to say that here at HomebrewCon, we brought our, along our uh, our family of malts. So we've got Great Western here with us and Bairds and uh, Canada Malting. So having them here and showing their support and kind of teaching end users about uh, their malt and just like how to use it has been absolutely fantastic. So thank you, a call out to those guys for tagging along.
0: Well, I was going to say, the Canada malt stuff is new in the homebrew side of the country, yeah, right? It is. So w- what's so special about Canada Malt?
14: Uh, it's just really good base malt, I'll have to say, but they have a, a really unique and um, malt that kind of actually throws a little bit of uh, its style kind of back towards uh, the U.K., um, wow. and it's a lot uh, more economical to get Canada malting than to get U.K. malting uh, malt. Uh, Don't figure,
0: one can come over on a truck.
14: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and so if you're looking for you know, a nice Maris Otter, you might actually uh, you might save a buck by just going to Canda malting.
0: And when can, I mean, is it available to homebrewers right now? Because I know it used to only be available to pros. It is available if they ask for it. Um,
14: Brewcraft does sell it, and if your homebrew shop doesn't stock it, you just have to tell them, hey, I'm interested in this, and uh, they can order it for you.
0: And so basically it's like, hey, do you guys work with Brewcraft? If so, can I get some of this? And at the very least, I mean, they can get as little as a sack, and then the shop has that. Okay. Exactly.
1: So the other thing that's interesting is Cholaca that you turned us on to. Talk about that a little bit.
0: Well, uh, this
14: is a really, really new product for us guys, but it's already taking off, and it's kind of surprising to me because we're looking, it's it's June right now, um, and typically you use chocolate product and stouts and porters, and those aren't in season until, you know, September. I think it's always chocolate season. (laughs) But, yeah, no, we've been carrying it for the the past two, two and a half months, and it is absolutely fantastic stuff. It's pure liquid cacao. uh, It's just just cacao and water. Um, It's been emulsified, and it's aseptically packaged, so you can put it directly into your secondary fermenter without having to worry about bugs.
0: Well, I was going to say, yeah, so there's no more worry about, like, you know, taking cacao nibs and throwing them in raw because this stuff has already been processed and, and purified. Now, what's funny to me is, like, you guys you guys brought this out, uh, I think, about like two months ago yep. or so. Uh, and, you, and you're like, hey, we'll send you some samples. We love samples. And what cracked me up was you guys were like, hey, we'll, we'll send you some samples of this new product that we had. I already had some of this stuff in my fridge because they also make another version. Uh, the one that you guys are, are selling mostly is the unsweetened. That's correct. Cow. They have one that's also sweetened, and they sell it. As a, as sort of a health food in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because it has a lot of health benefits. You know, people talk about cacao nibs and whatnot. And so I already had it, you know, on hand because I was using it to help get that chocolate fix while also trying to maintain, yeah. you know, my new svelte body.
14: Yeah, I mean, you can just take a quick shot of it and gives you energy.
0: Yeah. So and it gives you chocolate.
14: And yeah, chocolate. Exactly. Chocolate. I heard one guy, because uh, we've been pouring it at the booth here, and uh, we've actually been mixing it with one of our beers on tap, uh, one of our stouts, and he says it's just like a punch of chocolate in the face, um, which <laughs> from the home brewers that I know, that's usually the the ingredient that they want to add to their brew.
0: What, a punch to the face? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I right, look, let's face it. Most home brewers are not about subtlety. Most <laughs> homebrewers are all about the punch to the face, and yeah. I, this, is a, this is a really interesting new product. I mean, I, I think it has some ease of use. And I also like the fact that, just like what you're talking about, you can add doses of it to the beer afterwards. It's not like you have to commit to having a full chocolate product.
14: Exactly. It's perfect for experimentation.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you can even add it per glass. You know, if you had, like, a, a porter or stout and you just wanted a chocolate one once in a while, you know, just put some in your glass. Uh, the other thing that I really like about it is that it's... Uh, environmentally sound and sustainably produced, man. I was telling me about that. Well, history. I was going to
0: say, there's a whole fair trade component to it. There's also you know helping to save trees in the rainforest and all that sort of stuff. So I, there's a really good charitable uh, component to it as well. We're, we, ha- we have a an empty bottle that you guys have been using for samples. And uh, frankly, you yeah. know... Drew really is like, sniffing the <laughs> bottle cap. I, it smells like good chocolate. It, it really is
14: the best quality chocolate um, that you can get, and the reason for that is uh, there's no uh, adulterants in it. Uh, the the cocoa that they use is, is top grade, and they don't they won't settle for anything uh, less because as soon as you start to settle, uh, you have to throw in sugar or additives, and that uh, that's not really what Chalak is about. Right. And now,
0: and it comes in these quart bottles. Yep. And. What's the what's the recommended dosage rate for people?
14: That's something we're still experimenting with. Um, but uh, I've heard some people say one one quart will maybe go into a five-gallon batch or mm-hmm. maybe half. Um, half a quart will go into a five-gallon batch. It yeah. just depends on the strength you're looking for.
0: I was going to say, because I mean, I know, like, I think the, yeah, the low side is about a half a bottle mm-hmm. for a five-gallon batch, which is, you know a fairly good rate and uh, I think it delivers a really good chocolate flavor. Absolutely. So. Yeah,
1: well, and again, because you can add it post-fermentation, then that just means that you can add it to taste and not have to guess about how much to add. Exactly. So, so anything anything else we need to know about that's happening with Brewcraft?
14: Well, well, first of all, let me kind of get this out of the way. i um, got to thank a lot of people That helped make this, uh, this day, this conference uh, possible. Because um, we have a lot of beers on tap. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was in part because we helped sponsor the SJ4 Challenge.
0: Uh, good old SJ4! That's right.
14: Yeah. Um, and uh, so the, the top three winners of that um, Manuel Lopez in Spain, Josh Hoover in California, and Kevin Clementez in Oregon, uh, we, we had their beers brewed locally here in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, Day Block uh, brewed a session saison that was Manuel's,
0: uh, uh, and I, I I I'm digging that session
14: saison. Yeah, that, company, that, that was that was the winner. That was the the top winner of the the competition. Uh, the other, the number two, was the Red Ted uh, Red Tide session uh, IPA that Josh brewed. Um, Which is
1: amazing. That's what I'm on right now. I is, have never had a 3.1 percent beer with that much flavor.
14: Yeah, it's uh, brewed with some Red X and some coffee, and it is fantastic in fact modest was so impressed by the recipe and the way it turned out that they are putting it on their uh, their regular rotation at
7: that's their, great, at their brewery.
14: so that's, it's
1: that's like a homebrewer's dream right?
14: absolutely uh, and then I got to give props to, to Kevin Clementes in Oregon uh, he's actually probably pretty close to where I live and uh, his utterly chaos that stout uh, actually we ran out of it this morning um, <laughs>
8: that's
1: always a good it sign. was
14: yeah it was that was utterly chaotic and gone Uh, Tin Whiskers also brewed some stuff for us, Uh, Session Soul that used Great Western Malt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I've got to also give props to our collab brew, uh, Mums of the Sour that we had done for this event, Uh, that was Lakes and Legends that put it together, and uh, we got um, Baird's Malt, uh, Great Western Malt, YCH to donate donate stuff, Uh, Oregon Fruit gave us some Pink Guava. And Imperial Organic gave us their Sour Patch Kids yeast and that all got tied into this amazing sour, kettle sour that everybody has just been impressed by.
0: Well and you guys had your the opening party for the conference the other day at Lakes and Legends. We did. And I mean that was I mean, that was a lot of fun. I, I got there a little late and I mean, they had a really broad selection of different sort of Belgian influenced style beers some really wild ones out there and there was also a raspberry bracket that was proving radically oh,
14: dangerous I had that the first night <laughs> and Definitely.
0: it was too good yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've seen
1: people say the same thing man
0: yeah I mean there were people who were drinking that uh, that raspberry bracket like it was Kool-Aid mhm um, beyond, you know, those talking, uh, uh, calling out
14: those guys, um, The Growler also, they donated this truck for the event. Uh, that's Matt Canavan. Uh, and that's, if you've maybe read his publication, The Growler. Um, it's awesome craft uh, craft beer news fair. Yeah, we'll, so. have to,
1: we'll have to put a picture of that truck yes, on the website. Yes, please do. Man, because it, it, people would just be impressed. To hell
14: with
0: that thing. Seriously, I've been plotting, can I actually steal the thing and drive it back to California?
1: Well, the 454,
14: you can get there fast. Really? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> but as far as Smoking what's new planet. with Brewcraft, um,
14: we've got uh, some new product lines. We've got Chalaka. Um, Dutch Gold Honey has definitely been taking off this year.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We have sa- you have samples of the honey. They, they were behind us earlier today. Mm-hmm. And while, uh, while nobody was in here, I was picking up the bottles and going, squeeze, sniff, squeeze, sniff. Because, I mean, there's, like, avocado honey and buckwheat honey and, you know, Absolutely. wildflower honey. And just, like, just doing this little concentrated, like, hey, do these actually smell different? Because a lot of people are like, eh, whatever, honey. But, yeah, there's some real different characters in those. Absolutely.
14: Um, Vintners Harvest, we've got for, uh, four new flavors out in the Kansas uh, this uh, year. Uh, we've got the, the mango, uh, the grapefruit, we've got passion fruit, uh, pineapple, and, nope, oh, that's it.
0: Oh, that's all.
14: That's all. Hey,
0: Denny, do you want want a shot of grapefruit puree? Uh,
1: You know, I would love that, but uh, my cardiologist would kill me.
14: (laughs) Well, actually, if anybody wants uh, samples of those, we're going to be pouring some of them tomorrow morning. So uh, you can swing by the booth. And uh, we'll be pouring shots uh, then, Denny. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I, as much as I would love to, I'm not sure that it's compatible with my medications. <laughs> oh, uh,
0: boo. Uh,
14: but the, the, that's uh, g- moving beyond those. The big uh, the big new thing on the block is uh, the new wine kits that we're bringing out, mm. um, or wine making products, I should say, not right. kits. Um, and it's uh, Masti Mondiali. Uh, they uh, are out of Canada and they have absolutely amazing award-winning product um, most of most of their kits have won awards in one fashion or another and uh, a little bit later we'll get uh, we'll get a uh, rep from them on the line and uh, you can kind of talk about what that
1: actually let's do that right now yeah. let's bring in anthony from
0: musky mondiali and and let's make sure we get a couple of samples over here so we can yeah, actually I talk about that. the product we've got two
1: let's uh, we're going, to, we're going to take a break here from beer at Homebrew Cod and we're going to talk about wine for a few minutes. Uh, I live in the midst of wine country in Oregon, and so even though all you hear me talking about normally is beer, it doesn't mean that I don't enjoy and appreciate good wine also. So, Anthony, thank you for joining us today, man.
15: Thanks for having us, guys. So
1: why don't you tell us a little bit about the company and your products?
15: So, uh, Moste Mondial started off in uh, 1989, Uh, we started importing uh, fresh grape must from Italy and California back then. Uh, Now we're also dealing a lot with Chile, but back then it was mainly Italy and California. Um, So uh, we started off just importing it and basically just reselling it locally. Uh, Eventually we built up a a pretty extensive lab, Uh, so we started doing quality control. Um, so now we, what we do is we balance uh, the product. Uh, so we have refrigerated product. In.
1: So basically, your kits include the the juice that you have uh, processed, right?
15: Yeah. So um, our kits include basically just the, the the juice, and they also include all the um, all the ingredients you need to make them. So the yeast, the yeast nutrient, uh, oh, clarifiers, great. and potassium metabisulfite. Wow. Um, Cool. They Include the instructions as well. Uh, fairly easy to follow, especially if you're a home brewer and you're pretty good at it. Um, you are already, without ever touching a wine kit, you're already a master at <laughs> making wine because it's a lot simpler than making beer.
0: And, and you've got all the equipment already too. I
15: yeah, think. pretty much.
0: Well, and so now uh, the grape juice that you guys have. I mean, I know most of the time kits are like they're concentrated slightly. Like the good, uh, like so far in, in history, like the good ones are vacuum concentrated, and then you have the the other ones that get uh, super concentrated. Up and with these juice kits i mean like is it just straight juice is it
15: yeah so we have we have both actually uh the fresh juice is uh, is in our company's dna um so uh, like, like i was mentioning before we we started off with uh, fresh juice um we we make the the kits now uh, jared corrected himself before he should, said should say winemaking products because uh, i usually insist on that uh not calling them kits because um, I mean, we have the, the kits, I oh. guess you, you can call them, which is, uh, like, for example, our, our entry-level product is 10 liters. and mm-hmm. makes 23 liters worth of wine, so six gallons. Right. Um, but our flagship products are six gallons worth of juice, and it makes six gallons worth of wine. Oh, wow. So you don't add any water. Um, uh, it, it's actually much easier because you don't need to um, add any water. You just pitch right. the yeast, yeast nutrient, and clarifiers at the end, and that's pretty much it. What,
1: what varieties
15: do you carry? Uh, we have close to about 40 varieties, I think, oh, in all. Oh, um, man,
1: that's amazing. Yeah, so
15: anything from a cab, uh, Californian Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, um, Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, Carmenere from Chile, Malbec, Viognier.
0: Well, and we have two samples in front of us, uh, both yep. reds. What, what are we having?
15: Yeah, so one of them is uh, the Californian Cabernet Sauvignon, and the other one is um, what we call an Amoroso. Okay. So, it's an Italian style blend. Yeah. Um, the Amoroso is uh, a, a lot drier and a lot bolder. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is a lot lighter. Um, yeah, so the Amoroso has about 14 months of aging time. And these products usually are able, you're able to age them for a lot longer than that, if provided you have the right conditions. So, you can go up to four or five years and they'll keep getting better and better with time. Do you, you
1: recommend aging them on oak?
15: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, most of our products um, have oak in them, so we'll include oak chips, and uh, each one of the varietals will have a different variation of of oak chips. So there's light oak and dark oak, and depending on what we recommend or what our expert recommends back home, uh, we'll include different variations of oak. Well, and I know that
0: in the next couple of weeks after listeners hear this episode, we will actually have a Brew Files episode that is about winemaking from a, a local vintner near me, who's a friend of mine, and who's also a brewer, and he talks about the fact that he really feels like, even though he started out as a vintner and moved into brewing, he feels that brewers who move into vintnering actually have an advantage because we tend to take all the sanitation things and fermentation control a lot more serious than a lot of uh, vintners who first start that way because you can be a little more cavalier but you know, if you're a brewer, you already have that built into your DNA to, to clean and sanitize and, and keep control of your fermentations. And he, he, he really swears that beginning, or brewers who become beginning vintners make far better wine than uh, beginning vintners who become brewers.
15: <laughs> well, it's, it's possible. I, I agree with him, um, especially since uh, we, we can never stress it enough. I mean, you've got to be very careful with your sanitation. And uh, the nice thing about brewing beer is, I, I know nothing about beer, by the way. I, I just know that most of it tastes amazing. But um, Well, hey, let's never forget that one of the chief maxims of the
0: winemaking world in every region I've ever been in is, in order to make good wine, you have to have lots of
15: good beer. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Actually. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's
1: what I've always heard, too. So, Anthony, thanks a whole bunch, man, for coming on and talking to us about your products. It's it actually has now gotten me excited to get back into making wine. I've made a little bit in the past and tasting what you've got here and hearing about how well you put together the whole process, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, check it out for sure.
0: Well, and I was going to say, I mean, one of the very interesting things I think with the samples that we have in front of us is not only, I mean, you've got some real obvious freshness to this. And a lot of times with the, uh, the sort of juice kits, that they would say there's always kind of a little bit of mustiness or staleness. But also what I think is really interesting is I even get some of that grapeseed character that you get from fresh-pressed wine, where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, hey, that's actually fruit. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's, Th- that's are, the idea.
1: <laughs> there, is, there is a really nice fruit taste to these wines. so I'm going to make, I mean, plus my wife is a huge red wine fan, so I I would earn some brownie points by making some. (laughs)
0: There you go. Hey, and brewers, don't forget, it's perfectly acceptable to keg wine. You can have a keg of wine on draft. It is awesome. I've done it. It's a bad idea because you drink too much wine. You don't know when to stop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'll just go have another glass.
1: Just three more. Thanks right. a bunch, Anthony. Really appreciate thanks it,
0: Thanks a lot, guys. All right.
1: So you know what, Drew?
0: I think it's time.
1: I think that we have, like, uh, almost overstayed our welcome.
0: Oh, I don't think we could ever overstay our <laughs> welcome.
1: <laughs> hey, so uh, all of you out there, thanks a lot for coming by today and checking out the podcast. Thanks for uh, listening to the Experimental Brewing Podcast, all of you out there in podcast land. You can catch all of our latest adventures and writings by going to our website, which is experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, where we're at EXP Brewing. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram now. Uh, I hang out on a whole bunch of different beer forums, including the AHA forum. Uh, Drew is on Reddit and several other forums. It's hard not to find us
0: somewhere. And, hey, don't forget, if you're here at HomebrewCon and you see us, feel free to stop us in the hall, ask us a question. We don't mind. However, if our glass of beer is empty, please help us find another beer.
1: That's right. So if you want to uh, write us to uh, ask us a question, suggest topics, recipes, experiments, uh, you can email us at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. Don't forget about our great y Yeast giveaway contest. You will have the uh, rules for that at uh, experimentalbrew.com. Uh, and if you hey, want to... Uh, charity. Charity. Oh, yes. Don't forget that we support uh, a charity, and we're looking for a new one to start with in July. We, our current charity is the San Gabriel Valley Humane Society.
0: Where we will be giving a donation in honor of my recently passed and beloved cookie. Who I I adopted from there.
1: So, and if you want to write each one of us, I'm Denny at ExperimentalBrew.com. He's Drew at ExperimentalBrew.com. So, until next time, remember to always brew experimentally. Or brew wacky. And we'll see you on the next episode of Experimental Brewing. Brewing!